Well, guys, I want to do something real quick. I want to make something really awkward for everybody before we get started. Yes, I love the excitement. So, encouragement today. Guys, we talked last week about going out, and we talked about being those kingdom missionaries, being disciples, sharing the word, going out, letting people know who Jesus is. What can get discouraging, right? We can go out there and we can do that. Sometimes it falls on different kinds of soil, right? We know the rocky soil. We know the good soil. Sometimes we can get discouraged, and we need to be encouraged. And we need to encourage each other constantly, always encouraging each other. So five to ten seconds. This is going to be weird, and I know it is, all right? I want you to look at the person next to you, and I want you to say something encouraging. You have five or ten seconds. Look at the person next to you and just encourage them with words. Ready? Go. See, that's awesome. See, here, see everybody? There's lots of chatter. People are laughing. People are smiling, right? Encouragement makes us feel good, doesn't it? It lifts us up. It strengthens us. It gives us that little bit of a high feeling, right, when somebody gives us that encouragement. You guys see, as soon as you started to do that, everybody starts to laugh and gets kind of chattery, and it's a little awkward even, right? You can be a little embarrassed when somebody gives you an encouraging word. I know for me personally, I'm not very good at taking encouragement or compliments. I'm just not. The guys in my Lionheart group will know that. They kind of beat on me about that a little bit. I'm not very good at that. It feels weird. But why does it? It shouldn't, should it? It should feel natural for us to do that. And why should it feel natural? Well, because the Bible tells us to do that. If the Bible tells us to do that, a lot of times what the Bible tells us to do isn't always simple or easy, right? It's pretty awkward sometimes. It can be a little weird. But we're supposed to encourage each other, and we're supposed to do it constantly. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. If we're going to go out and share God's word, we're going to go out and be kingdom missionaries, we need to make sure that we are encouraging one another as we do that. We need built up. The body needs built up. The body needs strengthened. So that's what we're going to get into this morning. So encouraging one another is so important when you're talking about a family, a person, a ministry, or a church. And the real question is, what role are we playing? Are we doing a good job at that? Are we building up or are we tearing down? Here's the definition of encouragement. It says, words or actions that give someone confidence or hope. Words or actions that give someone confidence or hope. Everybody likes to feel confident, right? Everybody likes to get hope. We need to be speaking those words into each other constantly. So where I want to start off with today, I have a bunch of scripture again. I hope you guys love scripture because I have a bunch of scripture again. So the first place I want to start off today is I want to launch from 1 Thessalonians 5.11. That's going to be the first place I want to start from today. And it's a launching place because it's just one of several verses in the New Testament where we're commanded to encourage one another. And Paul wrote this to the church. In 1 Corinthians 5.11, here's what he says. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So I want to examine what's biblical encouragement. What does it look like? So I have five questions this morning I want us to look at. So what is encouragement? Who is responsible for the ministry of encouragement? When do we encourage? Why we encourage? And how? Do we encourage? I want to look at those five questions this morning. So let's dig right into the first one. The first one is, what is encouragement? So most people will look at encouragement, and they will, they will associate it with, let's say, like flattery. And what I mean by that is it's, it's little expressions that someone might say to you, like, hey, you look nice today. Or uh, it could be something as much as have a nice day or take care or you're doing a good job. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But that's not encouragement. Encouragement means to put courage in. That's the concept. Isn't that cool? To put courage into someone. I know I need that constantly. Anybody else need that here? I need it constantly. But if we're going to encourage somebody else, if we're going to instill that courage into their heart to face the world... It's different than just those little statements like that. It goes deeper than that. So here's, I'm a history guy and I love to study. I don't want to bore you, but the Greek root word for encouragement in the New Testament is parakalatos. That's the word, okay? 
And it's the verb form of the noun paraclete. And paraclete means to lay alongside. Isn't that cool? To lay alongside. To come alongside somebody. In John 14, 16, listen to this. Jesus said this. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So what is he saying here? Well, he's referring to the Holy Spirit, right? And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does, right? When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, right, we come and we repent for our sin and we ask him to come into our life and be our Lord and Savior and we turn our life over to him, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes in and it does what? It comes in and it lays alongside us and it starts to work in our life. It starts to build us up. It starts to what? Encourage us. It gives us strength. That's the purpose. That word in the Greek, parakalados, is used 109 times in the New Testament. You think encouragement is a big deal in the New Testament? You think it's important for us believers to do that? 109 times it's used in some form. Most of the times it's translated encourage, but here's something else too. It can be translated exhort or even sometimes comfort. But 109 times it's used. Listen to this. Here's a definition I got that was really cool. One man's definition says, encouragement is the expression to help someone become a better Christian when life is rough. Man, if you're putting courage into another believer when life's tough, that's a big deal. Because we need it. Everybody here, or anybody here have a perfect life? I don't. Do we need encouragement every single day? We sure do. And how wonderful is it when a brother or sister comes alongside you just at the right time when you're struggling and puts that into your life? Isn't that a blessing? And the cool thing about that is that's Holy Spirit work. That's the Holy Spirit knowing exactly what you need and using that person to give you what you need at that time. And it builds us up. And it gives us courage. And it gives us strength. We want to focus more on affirmation than appreciation. Okay? And this can seem, it can seem subtle, but there's a difference. And it's pretty major. Because appreciation is usually for something that somebody has done. Right? I appreciate you for doing this. I appreciate you for helping me with this. I appreciate you for taking care of this. There's nothing wrong with that. We should all appreciate when somebody serves us, but that's different. Affirmation is when you encourage somebody and you give somebody affirmation just for who they are. It doesn't mean that they did anything. It's just because of who they are. Now, we all like to feel appreciated when we do something, right? But we also love to have that affirmation and know that somebody encourages us and loves us for us even when we don't do anything for them. Anybody ever read the book Five Love Languages? Anybody else? Yeah, one of those love languages, words of affirmation, right? If you've read that book, if you know that, some of you in here are probably words of affirmation people, right? That's an encouragement to you. But there's a big difference between appreciation and encouragement. So remember that. You can appreciate what people are doing, but when you encourage somebody for who they are, that makes a big difference. A big difference for people. So when we affirm, we encourage. When we affirm, we encourage people. Okay, so number two. Let's look at number two. Who's responsible for the ministry of encouragement? So I've got a, I've got a little bit of a list here that tells us who's responsible. And guess what? If you're a member of the body of Christ, you're all, you're all a part of this. Nobody's exempt. But here's a cool list. Here's the first one, preachers. 1 Thessalonians 3.2 says this, And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. So Timothy was sent to encourage church through his preaching. When our pastor gets up here and preached, if you don't preach, if you don't leave encouraged, there's something wrong. We should be encouraged when we leave, even when we get slapped, right? When we have those messages where we go, oh, man, he never leaves us not encouraged. Preacher's job is to make sure that we encourage. 
Number two, look at this, the second one, teachers. We've got lots of teachers in here. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So teachers. Encouragement's a vital part of preaching and teaching. And that's what I was just talking about. You never want to try and construct any kind of a lesson, whether you're preaching or you're teaching, that leaves people without some sort of encouragement. Whether you're teaching children's church or you're up here behind the pulpit, you're always trying to encourage. And we encourage through God's word, right? And it may sting a little bit during the process of that lesson, but we're not left without encouragement. It builds us up. That way, after that, we know, hey, this stung a little bit, but now I'm really encouraged to go live the way God wants me to live. This is where I was struggling. Now I know. Now I'm encouraged because I know what I can do to be better. So preachers, teachers. Here's the third one. Look at this. Elders, deacons, overseers. Okay? Titus 1. Look at Titus 1.9. Titus 1.9 says, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. See, the elders and deacons of the church, the leaders of the church, they need to be able to encourage us as a body with the truth of God so that we don't become discouraged with the false truth that can creep into the church. So the elders... They have an important role in this. Encouragement is so vital for our church. Here's number four. Those who are gifted to encourage. See, I told you, nobody was exempt here. Those who are gifted to encourage. If you want to turn with me real quick, because there's a list here. If you want to go to Romans 12, or you can look up here. Romans 12, 5 through 8, gives us a list. And I want us to look at this list. Romans 12, 5 through 8 says this. So we, though are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, and excuse me, in proportion to our faith, if service and our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts, in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy and cheerful or with cheerfulness. You have a list here that tells us, hey, if you have this gift, do it. Notice encouragement's in there. If you have that gift, it says exhortation, but to exhort others. If you have that gift, do it. Notice that gift is lifted, or listed separately from teaching. So you don't have to be a teacher to be an encourager. If that's your gift, use it. I know people in this church that are great encouragers. If that's your gift, use it. That's a gift that's been given to you by the Holy Spirit. Use it. That is a characteristic of Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that a little later. Use that gift. It's for the building up of the body. If you've been gifted with that, use it. And I'll give you an example. This is really, really cool. One huge biblical example of this is Barnabas. And Barnabas is mentioned in the New Testament a couple of times here. And we're going to follow these few times where Barnabas is mentioned. Because I want you to understand, if this is your gift, use it. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be an elder or a deacon. You don't have to be in leadership in the church to be an encourager to your church. You can use that gift. And I want you guys to see that through Barnabas here. Barnabas, is this is super cool. His real name was Joseph of Cyprus, okay? But they named him Barnabas, which is really cool because Barnabas means son of encouragement. I'd like to have that kind of a cool name. Here, your name means son of encouragement. So let's look at Barnabas first. Look at Acts 4, 36 and 37. Acts 4, 36 and 37. It says, thus Joseph who is also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. 
So as the apostles are starting to get moving, now let's think about this. We're in Acts chapter 4, right? The church has just been born, correct? Acts chapter 2, we have the day of Pentecost. The church is just getting started. So here we are in Acts chapter 4. These guys are getting started and getting moving. And what's this guy Barnabas do? He sells this whole field to get a bunch of money to help them for their cause and their ministry to go out and go on mission for Christ. If you are one of those apostles, are you encouraged? Because at some point you're going to go, man, I don't know how we're going to be able to do all this. And here shows up Barnabas after he sold some of his own possessions, his field, and shows up and has this money and lays this money at their feet. What does that say to those apostles? It says, I believe in what you're doing. I have faith in you and what you're doing. I have faith in your mission, and I trust you. Would that not encourage you? You're going, God, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're just going to go on faith. And then what happens? God shows up through Barnabas. And once you're encouraged, it lights a fire, doesn't it? And you're ready to get moving. Look at the second example here. Acts 9. Acts chapter 9. 26 through 28. Acts 9, 26 through 28. It says, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. This is talking about Saul. Saul of Tarsus, right? He was a persecutor of the church early on. And then on the Damascus road, what happened? Jesus blinded him, didn't he? Why are you persecuting me? Why are you coming after me? Here's what you're going to do for me. Now, once you are converted, I mean, if Jesus blinded me on the road and said, you're going to do this, what other choice do you have? You don't have another choice, right? You can't do anything else. No, I'm not going to. that, That doesn't work, right? So what happens? Paul begins his ministry just like he's commanded. But what happens? You run into opposition, right? Hey, we know this guy. This guy used to persecute us. This guy used to kill Christians. We can't trust that this guy's preaching the gospel. We don't know him. We know of what he's done and who he was. We don't know this new guy. If you're Paul, you're going to get a little discouraged? Yeah, I'm going to get real discouraged. Who showed up? Barnabas showed up. Barnabas shows up and he says, hey, this guy's legit. This is truth. And he brings encouragement for Paul. And then it said he did what? He spoke boldly. See how that encouragement lights a fire? Barnabas is going to show up one more time. Acts chapter 11, 19 through 24. This is a bigger section. It says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of the men of Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent who? Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Barnabas sounds like a pretty stand-up dude. Now, all that's mentioned about him when we hear about him is these type of things where he showed up and he encouraged and he did these things along the way to help the church. When do we encourage? When it's needed. Right? Who's responsible? Here we know who's responsible. Barnabas was there at key times, wasn't he? 
Barnabas was there when it was needed. The Holy Spirit used Barnabas to encourage others. We're not just exempt because we don't necessarily, sorry about that, that move, because we're not necessarily in some sort of role in leadership, okay? The Holy Spirit calls us all to be a part of this. So we have preachers, we have teachers, we have elders, we've got deacons, we've got those who are spiritually gifted. Lastly, here we go, nobody's exempt. The entire body has the responsibility. The entire body has the responsibility. And that's where you can go back to 1 Thessalonians 5.11 where it says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. That's not addressed to specific person. That's addressed to everyone. We all have a job to do this for each other. As believers, as the body, this is our job. And we do that as it's needed. Because here's the thing, it is not healthy for a church. It's not healthy for our church to depend on just a handful of people to encourage the rest of the church. You think those people are going to get tired? I think they get tired. We need to be doing this together. We can't rely on just one or two or five people to do this. We need everyone doing this. Let me read something for you. A function in the body that results in the health of the whole body, if God designed that we be a healthy body that is growing and maturing, then every Christian in that body has a ministry that lends itself to the health of the body. Your service, your ministry make the body healthy because it carries strength to the other parts of the body. However, your failure to do so if you're unfaithful or spiritually, spiritually lazy or self-centered will all work as a non-function. And non-functions make the body sick and cripple and stunt the growth of the body. And if we cripple and stunt the growth of the body, then we cripple and stunt our witness to the world. You see how important this is? If this is your gift, use it. All of us have different gifts. But if this is your gift, use it. Because everyone needs it. Not everyone will admit that, but everyone needs it. Use that gift. God has designed you to be in the body, to be a vital, functioning part of the body. If that is your job, then do it. Because if you don't, the body doesn't function properly. We all have to be using that gift if we have it, whatever that gift is, to make a body that functions properly. So if you're just encouraging, use it because we need it. Use it. So I want you to think with me on this. Here's something for you to even go a little bit deeper, okay? So every single gift, every single spiritual gift that is given is a characteristic of Jesus Christ, okay? Follow me on this. This will blow your mind like it did mine. Every single one is a characteristic of Jesus Christ. That means if you are in this room today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have turned your life over to him, and that Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, you have a spiritual gift. That spiritual gift is a characteristic of Christ. What does that mean? Christ, in his fullness, had all of these with him, right? So do you realize whatever spiritual gift that you possess is a characteristic of Jesus that you have? You have that gift. Use it. Was Jesus an encourager? You bet he was. If that's your gift, then use it. And the job for us is to make sure that we use it to build up the body, to make the church function to the best of its ability, together. So when you go out and you're sharing the gospel and you're trying to reach people and you're trying to get God's word out, you're going to need that encouragement. 
that's you, encourage the person that's going out. Make sure they know. Give them that strength. Put that courage into them. Because it's needed. Because at the end of the day, if you minister that gift, that builds me up. Everybody's got a different gift, right? But if you minister your gift to me, it builds me up. And when I minister my gift to you, it builds you up. And if we're all built up, then we're all what? We're all a healthy body. We need to be a healthy body. If we're not using all of our gifts, then what happens? We get sick. And a sick body is a sick evangelist, right? What does our witness look like to the world if it is not functioning the way it should? If your gift is encouragement, use it. I know I sound like a broken record, but this is one I think a lot of times gets overlooked because discouragement comes into our life so fast. But encouragement, if we're honest, does encouragement come into our life very fast? It does not. It doesn't. We can get discouraged easier than we can be encouraged. How messed up is that? So we need encouragement. We need the body to function properly. If that's yours, pour it on us, please. Nobody in here is going to go, no, 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 please don't encourage me right now. I'd really like to sit in my self-loathing. Nobody's going to say that. You have words of encouragement for you or for me? Pour it on me. I'm going to stand right here. Give me all you got because I need it. And I'm sure all y'all are the same, whether you'll admit it or not. So if we're going to reach the world, right, if we're even going to reach just down the street with the gospel, if we're kingdom missionaries, if we're going out and doing it, and we need that encouragement, and we're going to reach the world, we've got to make sure we're functioning healthy. So if that's your gift, do it. If that's your gift, then do it. So number three, when do we encourage? When do we encourage? Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. When do we encourage? It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. So when do we encourage? When we assemble together. For starters when we get together. Now, the primary reason for us it looks right here to assemble is to what? Encourage each other. You can have an absolutely terrible week. I hope you're the same way as me. I can have an absolutely terrible week, but when I roll into church and see my brothers and sisters, I'm encouraged. Even if I don't see or even if I don't say anything or somebody says anything to me I'm instantly encouraged because I'm with my brothers and sisters and then when you start to get encouragement that's just the icing on the cake right but it says the reason here is so that we can encourage and we've heard over and over I don't know if anybody else has if you've been coming to church your whole life you've always heard don't forsake the assembly right don't forsake the assembly. Don't forsake the assembly. Well, I've always heard it in that context, right? We got to make sure we meet together. The Bible says we have to go to church. The Bible says we have to meet. That's a command, right? But sometimes we'll take that command and what do we do? We only take the first part and we don't take the last part. The last part says so that you can be encouraged. So you can encourage others. You might show up to church and you are riding cloud nine and you're like, man, I feel great. I don't really need any encouragement today. I'm doing all right. But that next person that walks through the door might have to drag themselves through the door. And you might be that person that they need to help get them up off the floor. Be that person. If it's awkward, so what? If it's uncomfortable, doesn't matter. If you don't want to, do it anyway. Right? Because it's needed. So I'll, I'll, I'll ask you guys this. Here's, here's some questions. 
What is it that you can do when you assemble that you can't do at home? And the only reason I bring this up is because since COVID, right, there's been a lot of people who have gotten comfortable with, well, I'm just going to stay home and stream church. I'll just stay home and watch. Now, don't get me wrong. Technology is a beautiful thing, right? If we're sick and we can't physically come, it's wonderful that we can turn on YouTube, Facebook, and stream our pastor and get God's word. Don't get me wrong. But when you're using it as an excuse not to meet, then it becomes a problem. Because what happens? There are things you can do at home that you can't do here. But think about this. Can you pray when you're at home? Sure. Can you preach? Yeah, ask my daughters. They'll tell you. Yeah, you can preach at home. Can you sing at home? Sure you can. You can sing at home too. Lord's Supper, you can even do the Lord's Supper at home. Lord's Supper is taken to people who are shut-ins, right? You can still do the Lord's Supper at home. You can do all of these things at home. You can almost do every single part of church at home. But what can you not do if you're home by yourself? You can't get encouraged, can you? And you can't encourage anyone else. We're not meant to just be by ourselves, are we? We're meant to be together. I hate to use the word herds, but we're meant to be together like that, right? Some of us will say, well, I'm okay. I don't really need to hang with anybody. I'm good by myself. I'm okay by myself. (sighs) Maybe. I don't buy it. I've even used that excuse. I'm cool rolling by myself. Yeah, right. But if somebody comes up to me, wants to encourage me, wants to go hang, man, I'm excited to go do that. So that can't be true. I need that. But this verse tells us what? When we assemble together, we assemble together for encouragement. So I can encourage you and you can encourage me. Don't take the first part of the verse and just go, oh, well, God's commanded me that I have to come to church, and if I don't come to church, then everything's messed up. No. Are we commanded to be in church? Absolutely, we're commanded to be here. But don't leave out the second part. Because if all you do is focus on the first part, you leave out the second part, and then what happens? This becomes a chore. You don't show up to encourage anybody. You won't even show up to be encouraged. You'll show up to check a box. Don't check a box. Church is not a box you check every week. So these are good questions, right? Can we do all that? Yeah, sure, but we can't get together without encouraging one another. We can't. They miss that command over and over and over. So I hope you assemble every week. I hope you come in here with the mindset of who can I encourage today? Who can I lift up today? Because I guarantee you, if you come in to this church with that mindset, then everybody comes in with that mindset. And guess what? Everybody gets encouraged. Everybody leaves here filled. Everybody leaves here strengthened. Everybody leaves here better than they walked in. I want that. I hope you want that too. Can we do a better job at that? Sure we can. We can always do a better job at that. That's what we need to, that's what we need to do. But I want you guys to think about something. Encouragement can come when you are in a group, right? I can be encouraged by hanging with a group of my buddies, right? I'm encouraged Wednesday when we show up for Lionheart for a meeting. There's times when I'm like, oh, man, it's like 8.30. I know it's going to be like 12 before I, you know, sometimes. But I have never left here without being encouraged when I've met with my group. But I want you to think about something else. It can happen in a group, but where you really get down to it where you really get in the trenches is when you get one-on-one with somebody my mentor paul has used the (laughs) has used the description many times don't be afraid to be a dirty christian and what he meant by that is don't be afraid to get in the trenches with somebody don't be afraid to get into their mess and encourage don't be afraid to get in there and listen encouragement doesn't have to be preaching to them you don't have to be telling them things you don't have even have to be giving them advice Be with them, let them speak, let them share, and encourage them 
in the times when they're down like that. Get into that stuff. That one-on-one, that's where we get, we get into the meat. That's where we build and we strengthen. Can it happen in groups? Sure it can, absolutely. But when we have that one-on-one with each other, we build those relationships together. When we love on each other, when we shake hands, when we're hugging on one another, right? And when our conversation goes just beyond, hey, how are you today? Weather's pretty nice outside. Duh, I was just outside. I know how the weather is. That's not what I asked. I asked, how are you? I want to know. We gather together to build each other up, and we encourage when we assemble. Second thing I want you to look at here is encouraging at every opportunity is not just when we assemble. I'm going to stay in Hebrews here. Hebrews 3, 12, and 13 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That clearly tells us our responsibility is to encourage each other every single day day every day we need to be encouraging each other we're supposed to encourage each other every day at some point some of us somehow we're supposed to do that but the problem is and let's be real with each other there's some of us in here who the only time we talk to each other is when we're here i'm guilty of that we're supposed to be talking every single day Now, listen to me. I am not telling you to get on your phone tomorrow and call everybody in the church tomorrow. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not what I'm telling you. But what I am saying is we need to be connected more than just here. The two or three hours we spend in this building is not sufficient enough for our body to sustain itself on a weekly basis. It's just not. We have to be continuing to get together in community. There's stuff going on all week here, isn't there? Constantly, right? Staying connected. We need to do that. I'll give you you an illustration of the body here. So my finger is not connected to my toe, right? Nobody else's finger is connected to their toe, right? I don't think so. But it is connected to my hand. Right? I'm going to start singing that song. The next one's connected to the... I'm not going to do that. Now it's stuck. Dang it. So, <laughs> don't, don't laugh because it's going to be stuck. We get through this, okay? So, it is connected to my hand, right, which is connected to my arm all the way up, but it does connect all the way down to my foot. Is it connected directly? No. What I mean by that is, I'm not telling you, you personally have to be connected to every single person in this church, but if you are talking or reaching out or encouraging to one or two or three people weekly, guess what? Those same people are doing that all throughout the week, and what happens? The body stays what? Connected. I can't reach out to every one of you every week. You can't reach out to everyone every week, but what can you do? You can reach out to a couple people every week, right? If we do that, then what happens? The whole body is connected. This is a living, functioning organism. Do you think of the church body in that way? We need to be connected and encouraging each other constantly, all the time. This church does such a great job. That's one thing I told Jenny. It was a little bit overwhelming when we first started coming here because it's like, they do so much stuff together. You know, I mean, it was like, oh my gosh. They have this going on and this going on and this going on and this going on. And Todd told me, he goes, I know it's overwhelming. You don't have to go to everything, you know, but just stay connected. And I'm, you know, you're just kind of like, I, 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 I don't even know. And that's great about this church, right? Everybody wants to be involved with everyone. Everybody wants to have that community. But we have to make sure that we're doing that consistently in some way all the time because it's encouraging. 
When you get a random message throughout the week from somebody that just says, hey, I just want to tell you I love you and I'm thinking about you and, and how can I pray for you? Do you instantly get encouraged? And I do. And that's not like a mass message from everybody. That's just one person. And if everybody's doing that together, you got a body that's pretty on fire. We'd be one of those churches, everybody goes, why are they so crazy? They're always in a good mood, and they always feel like there's, well, it's because we love each other, and we just want everybody to, to be the same. So we can stay connected, and we can stay connected to that degree where everybody is being encouraged and built up and lifted up. And let's do that more than just on Sunday, right? The community things that go on during the week here, man, it's awesome. But we have to continue to do that. If you're not getting connected into that stuff, why not? Because you can't sit here and tell me that you don't want to be encouraged. Get connected to something. And it's not because somebody wants to drag you into something. It's because they want to be in your life. They want to be connected to you. They want to be a part of your life. They want to encourage you. They want to build you up. They want to love on you. Let them love on you. Who doesn't want that? Nobody raised their hand. Right. Because everybody wants it. We just let pride and stuff get in the way, and we will go, oh, no, I don't think so. It might be kind of weird. Or, oh. Are you kidding me? We can do that. If people see the way that we do that, that's when people are going to see that there is a difference. And when they see a difference, they're going to want that. We hear Todd talk about this stuff all the time. This isn't new. If we're going to be different, right, we got to do different things. And having this mindset and this attitude is different than the rest of the world, isn't it? There's a bunch of weirdos out there on 109. Great. Come on out and check us out. We are weird because we love each other. And want to love on you too. And if that's weird, we're not sorry because we just want to love on you. That's just true. So here's number four. Why? Why do we encourage? What for? We really get into people's lives and we're building each other up. Why do we do it? We need to encourage one another because of the deceitfulness of sin, right? Hebrews 3.13. Because there's that deceitfulness of sin. It says, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the what? Deceitfulness of sin. Anybody here have a perfect week? Anybody? No. I always wanted to meet somebody who had a perfect week. I've yet to do it. But sin comes in every single day, right? All of us have our problems. We all have our struggles. If I'm struggling my brother reaches out to me and hits me with something that just says, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, what can I pray for you? Or what can I pray about for you? Hey, I love you. That's going to be encouraging. That's going to be lifting up. Or that's going to be, that's going to lift me up. Where, when, how, all that stuff, it doesn't matter point is the Holy Spirit knows those answers. He knows when you're going through something and he'll use somebody else to build you up or lift you up. Why do we do it? Because the Bible tells us to, for starters. And second, because everybody needs it. And everybody wants it. Don't ever underestimate the power of Satan, right? The enemy will use everything that he can constantly, right? He'll fire those darts all week at us. If I can get you pulled away, then I'm going to win. That's what he's thinking. That's what he knows. He knows each and every one of our weaknesses, right? It's pretty scary when we think about it. He knows what buttons he can push to get us, right? And he'll push them. We have to stay connected so that we can, <laughs> we can have less time where the devil is getting a hold of us. Because the, because the devil, what does he want to do? He wants to separate us. He wants to get you away. If he can disconnect you from the body, he's got you. If he can pull you away, he's got you. 
So, another body analogy. I don't want to get gross or anything, all right? What happens if you lose a limb? Does it just stay alive or does it die? If the enemy can pull you away from the body and disconnect you from the body, what's going to happen to you spiritually? You're going to start to die. He will use whatever he can to keep you and keep you isolated and keep you away because he wants you out of there. Misery loves company. So why do we encourage? Because we need to make sure that our brothers and sisters aren't falling away, that they're not being separated, that they're not being pulled away. So I'm going to ask you a question right now. What, what type of stuff is pulling you away? If you're not a part, if you don't feel like you're in community, if things are keeping you away, if you're staying disconnected from the body, why? Is it pride? You're dealing with pride. You're dealing with lust. You're dealing with old discouragement. Is it fear? Is it anger? Doubt, guilt, rebellion? Why? What's your reason? Because whatever that reason is, the enemy is going to use that to keep pulling you away. He will. Whether you believe that or not, he will. I need the encouragement from my brothers and sisters to help keep me so that I'm not getting pulled away and disconnected from the body. I want to stay connected because if I'm not connected, I'm in trouble. So I want to stay connected. Whatever that is he's using, if you have that going on in your life, know that. And if he's trying to use that, let somebody know. Let somebody come alongside you. Let somebody put some courage into you. Let somebody help you. God can use those people. God does use those people. Let him use those people. Don't get yourself cut off from there. We need that. We need to stay. We don't want to assume that everybody's spiritually healthy. If we assume that everybody's doing okay spiritually, then we're going to lose people. People are going to fall off. We're going to miss things. That's why we need to be encouraging each other daily, be in each other's lives. Have those conversations. Don't assume that everybody's spiritual health is good. If we're encouraging one another, this is why, because that deceitfulness of sin, sin will tell us something different. Ah, my brother doesn't care about me. My sister doesn't care about me. They don't really care if I'm not here. They don't know if I miss church. They don't know if I didn't come to this event. It's a lie. And he'll use those lies over and over and over and over again until he gets you pulled so far away that you can feel yourself spiritually just start to become callous and cold, right? It's a lot easier to get discouraged than it is to get encouraged. We've got to change that. Not many of us have our lives neat, nice and neat and in order. I know mine's not. And that's okay. But I need you to encourage me when my life's a wreck, and I'll encourage you when your life's a wreck. <laughs> and we'll just have wrecked lives together, and we'll just encourage each other through the wrecked lives, okay? It'll be fine. As long as we're striving to walk it out, as long as we're striving to do what the Bible commands us to do, as long as we're working to be like Christ and encouraging each other to do that, we're going to continue to grow, and the body will grow, and the body will strengthen, and what will happen? Our witness becomes stronger. Now, it's crazy, isn't it? Encouragement doesn't seem like such a big deal, right? It's a very simple thing, but do you see the spiral effect when there's a lack of? Who have you encouraged this week? I want you to think about that. Who have you lifted up this week? If you haven't, if you have, good. If you haven't, why haven't you? Even if it's just one person, 
Did God put somebody on your heart this week and you went, oh, I'll do it later, and then it never happened? Have you ever had it put on your heart that you're like, man, I don't even know why I'm thinking about this person, but I don't even know that I want to do that because it'd be weird if I send them that text or if I call them and tell that to them. Anybody ever run into that? It's not. It's not weird. Is it awkward? Maybe. But it's putting courage in. It's coming alongside. It's lifting people up. Do we do that enough? Do we do that enough here? Do we do that enough amongst ourselves? If we don't, then we need to work on it. We need to make sure we're encouraging one another constantly, lifting each other up. Keep the body healthy. Keep it functioning properly. We can't rely on just a couple of people to do this, like I said earlier. It's got to be all of us. If you're looking for Pastor Todd to fill your cup every single week, you're in trouble because he can't do it all by himself. It's not possible. And the flip side goes for that too. Let's remember too, our pastor needs his cup filled as well. Are we doing our part to fill his cup? We need to work together. If we're all doing this together, hey, the cup's going to get full. Everybody's spiritual cup is going to get full. We have to do it together. Take off that veneer. Take off that mask like Todd has told us in the Kingdom series. Take those masks off. Get rid of all the junk and just say, you know what? This is me and I got all this stuff going on and I have some problems and I need some encouragement and I'm just going to let you know, here's me, here's how I am. And let somebody come into your life and come alongside you and let yourself be poured into. I am really guilty, really guilty, because I'm not very good at this. It's got to be like dug out of me. Again, if I go back to my Lionheart group of guys, they know this. They got to dig it out bad. Shut up, guys. I don't want wisdom. You know, that's how I think sometimes. Stop putting wisdom in there. I don't want to hear it. Do you like to encourage others? Do you like to be encouraged? The answer is yes. Use that. Do that. And the more it the more it happens, the less awkward it is, the less weird it is. And then it becomes common. And then you'll look at people who don't encourage and go, "Why wouldn't you do that? That's just you should just do that all the time." Pour into them. So here's the last one, number five. You guys getting bored with me yet? I hope not. Number five. How do we encourage? Right? Like I said at the beginning, it's not just little expressions or flattery, right? How do you encourage one another as long as it's called today? Well, first of all, we have to remind each other of God's promises. What does Scripture say? And I can give you quotes and I can give you Luke opinions and things like that. I can do that, right? But that's not going to be as encouraging as what God's Word says, is it? What does God's Word say about you? That's what's going to encourage you because it's His Word. This thing is a living, breathing thing. Amen? This is right. This is the living Word of God. So if you are using this to encourage your brothers or sisters, how can they not get encouraged? You don't need my words to be encouraged. It's God's words that we need to use to encourage. What does God's word say about you? What does God's word say about your situation? What you're dealing with, where you're at, how you're feeling. What does God's word say about that? So how do we do that? We share God's word with them. But God's word says this. Well, I just don't feel very special today. Well, God's word says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God's word will give you more encouragement than any person in this room could ever do. But here's the beauty part about that. Every single person in this room can be used by the Holy Spirit to use God's word to encourage someone. And you don't have to be a Bible theologian, okay? 
Just know what God's word says. And let him use you to build others up. Everybody can do this. Everybody can do this. So what are some you can think of? What are some passages you can think of that you know would be encouraging to somebody else? Or even passages that you know that are encouraging to you? You're like, hey, this is one of my favorite passages. This is... Can you think of those? Have you used those? Do you use those? Will you use those? Because everybody in this room is going to need some form of encouragement this week. When you walk out these doors and the week starts, who in here likes Mondays? Wow, some brave souls in here. Wow. See, the majority of people are like, nope, I do not like them. Guess what's going to happen on Monday? Your feet are going to hit the floor. The week's going to start. And you're going to need what? You're going to need courage. You're going to need encouragement all week long. Where are you going to get it? You're not going to get it from the world. We need to be the ones giving it. God's Word's going to give it to you. Make sure you're in God's Word. What are some of those you can think of? See, whenever we gather, if someone is vulnerable enough to share with us, don't use those trite little statements. Don't use those little things like, oh, I'm okay, it's okay. Oh, you'll be fine. Don't look at somebody and go, oh, I'll be praying for you, and then walk away. Don't do that. If somebody is vulnerable enough to share that with you, come alongside them, sit down with them, and tell them what God's word says about them or about that situation. How can you encourage them through the word of God? Don't just go, oh, well, that sounds pretty rough, man. If they're willing to open up enough to share with you what's going on, take the time. Pour into them. Because what they need God can use you to give them exactly what they need. And that's what he'll do if you let him. He's promised to always be with us, right? He'll hear every prayer. We confess our sin, right? He'll do what? Take them all away. He'll take care of all that. So when you think about encouragement, I want you to think about one thing. Everyone needs it, but nobody will admit that. Or not everybody will admit that. Let me put it that way. I'm going to ask if she'll come up, play some music. I want you guys to think about this. Encouragement is something that is often overlooked. It's often overlooked. Thank you, Mandy. Every single spiritual gift that we think of We can look at some and go, man, that's a big one. Man, that's a big one. And we don't think of encouragement as being something that's a huge spiritual gift. But this is something that can build somebody up. Or if it's not there, it can what? Tear somebody down. Where do you get your encouragement from? Does it come from the Word of God? you have people in your life that pour the word of God into you? Do you have those around you that pour into you like that? That remind you of God's promises? Because this is something we all want. But not everybody will admit that. If you know today that, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I like encouraging people. I, I, think, I think I'm pretty good. This might be one of those things that, that this is one of those gifts God's given me. Use it. Don't hide it away. Your gift at the end of the day is not for you anyways. It's for everybody else. 
give it to everybody else. Let them know that love of God through you. Let them be built up by the Spirit through you, right? He'll work through you to build them up. And when he does that, you get a front row seat to watch the Holy Spirit do his work. And you will be encouraged as well as they'll be encouraged. Last example here. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And he is on his knees praying so hard and in such agony and distress that he's sweating drops of blood, an actual physical condition. Okay, this isn't just an analogy and they're just trying to make you understand that he was stressed out so bad that it was like, no, it was. It was a condition. And he's sweating these great drops of blood and saying, Father, not my will, but yours. If you can take this away, please take this cup from me. He's saying, Dad, I don't want to do this, but if I have to do this, I'll do it because it's your will. The Bible says that angels had to come and do what? They had to come and minister to him. Do you think Jesus needed encouragement in that moment? Do you think Jesus needed built up? Do you think Jesus needed lifted up in that moment? Yeah, because if he didn't, why would they have shown up? Jesus needed courage poured into him. Those angels showed up and poured into Jesus. If you don't think you need encouragement, there's something wrong. Because guess what? Our Savior needed encouragement. Our Savior needed lifted up in his time of great distress. And he was ministered to. So I want to encourage you this morning. If you don't know the gospel, here it is. God made everything perfect. This world was created and made perfect by God himself. And he only had one rule. Just obey me. Just do what I just do what I tell you to do. Don't do what you want, just do what I want you to do. And guess what? Couldn't do that. Adam and Eve sin. Sin entered the world. And once sin entered the world, what happened? Well, we were separated from God then. Because a holy God cannot be connected to sin. So all throughout history now, we're disconnected. Disconnected from God. Until what happened? Until Jesus. Jesus comes. Lives on this earth 33 years. A real person. This is not a fairy tale. This is not some epic story that you can read just so you feel good. This is a true story, an actual man. Jesus came, lived a sinless, perfect life on this world, in this world. And the only way that our sin could be taken care of was by a perfect, spotless, sinless sacrifice. That sacrifice was Jesus Christ. The only way to bridge that gap between us and God because of our sin was for Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. That perfect sacrifice is the only thing that could make atonement for our sin. The only thing that could bridge the gap back to God for us. But God sent his own son, Jesus, to this earth. And what did he do? He died for your sins. He died for my sins. Every sin you would commit, every sin you will commit, He died for all of them. And when he did that, he said, hey, I'm going to take all of your junk on me, and I am going to take all of that. I will pay for all of that sin. I will pay for all of that, and I will give you my righteousness in place of that. But there's just one thing. You have to receive this free gift that I offer you. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but... Always pay attention to this. When you're reading your Bible, always pay attention to the buts. But, says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
If you don't know Christ today, if you don't know him, he offers you salvation. He offers you this free gift. The only thing is you have to come and accept that you are a sinner and accept that you have all this sin in your life and that there's no way for you to ever reach heaven or get to God. You can't be good enough. You'll never do anything good enough to get there. That's why Jesus had to come because we can't get there on our own. We need Jesus. So what happens? The choice then comes to you. You come and say, yes, I'm a sinner. I am bankrupt. I am destitute. I am broken. And I need you to forgive me for my sin. I need you to wash away that sin. I need you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I need you to come in and take over my life. I give you my life. And what happens in place, he comes into your life and he takes over. And you let him be Lord. Not just Savior, but Lord. And he'll take all your garbage and he'll take all of that and he'll replace it with his righteousness. And then guess what? God doesn't see you as that sinner anymore. God sees you through the veil of the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Romans says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be what? Saved. But you have to do that. And he's offering that to you. If he's knocking on your heart today, don't turn away. There'll be people up here to pray with you. You can come up here and pray at the altar by yourself. Don't feel weird. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. If anybody else is looking, don't worry about any of that stuff. There's people that will be here to not only pray with you, but encourage you. If you're still struggling with things right now, if you know Christ and you're still struggling and you're discouraged and you're down and things are not good in your life, turn it over to him. Confess that. Let him know. gospel is simple and it's for everyone and he will turn your life around if you let him and he will encourage your life if you let him if he's knocking on your heart right now don't wait tomorrow's not promised and he'll give you that salvation today so whatever you guys do today Todd says, whatever you do, don't leave here the same because if you do, you're Jesus.